Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Today is Wednesday, the 25th of January. You know what that means. Today is Everyone Wednesday, and I'm so glad that you have an opportunity to win an outstanding book that's going to provide some hope for troubling times. It's a Bible verse that we talk about an awful lot, Romans 8, 28. And it's something that becomes kind of a placeholder for the tough times that happen in life. And they're inevitable. You know, Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble, but behold, I have overcome the world. That oftentimes we, we miss that. We, we go right to the I've overcome the world part, which is important. But then in this world you will have trouble. He also said that in this world the world will hate us, and the reason that they hate us is it's not us personally, it's him uh, internally, spiritually. If we are in Christ and Christ is in us, if we are John 15-ing our relationship with him, we've been grafted in, he is the vine, we're the branches. There's no way the branches can survive without the vine. So obviously if we are abiding in him, obeying his commands, et cetera, et cetera, that, then that's going to happen. But he also said, look, if the world hates me, they're going to hate you too. So things are going to happen. Now, what we're going to talk about is this all things work together for good. And not just for good, but for your good. Uh, Bible teacher Robert Morgan is going to join me in just a few moments, and we're going to talk about that. He explores that in a new book of his. And if anybody understands things working together for good when they started out lousy, Robert Morgan does. This is a guy who lost his wife after a lengthy battle, uh, medical illness, and he was primary caregiver for her for a quarter of a century. And he knows. I mean, he, he absolutely knows what it's like to have the the challenge of, you know, Katrina had multiple sclerosis. They were, uh, you know, they were married for 43 years, three daughters, 16 grandchildren. Uh, they run a bed and breakfast. They, uh, uh, he's a Bible teacher, teaching pastor with Donaldson Fellowship. I mean, he understands what it's like to have, literally when you've got 35 books in print, 5 million copies in multiple languages, you've been on TV and radio, you think everything's working together for good, and yet at the same time, you know, we have illness in the world simply because of sin, and we understand that as a result of that sin, uh, people, you know, face challenges. That's the reason why we have disease in the world. Um, it's an Everyone Wednesday today, and everyone who calls today is going to get a copy of Robert Morgan's book. So uh, you're going you're gonna to love this conversation. But I couldn't help but think of how God's timing is just so perfect when we have a guest lined up for a certain day. And I, I often wonder, how's the program going to go? What are we going to be discussing? You know, um, what's it going to be like? And then all of a sudden, you know, you're reading, you're praying, studying scripture, and you come across an article like this one that we're putting up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, there was a wrong-way driver on a road. This is going to impact especially our listeners on KLTT. Um, a wrong-way driver on a road uh, for a bunch of students who had visited a Bible college in Wyoming, and they were making their way back um, down Interstate 80 on their way to Arkansas. And it was just, it's really... It's a shame that this happened, but I want to let me just set the stage for you. I'll tell the story, and then we can see where the Romans eight twenty eight part shows up. Um, according to KATV, Sylvan High School seniors Susanna Prime, 
Susanna known as Susie to her friends, and Ava Luplo. Uh, they are going to be senior, or they're currently seniors at uh, Sylvan High School in Arkansas. They're both 18 years of age. Three recent graduates from high school, Solomon, uh, Solomon Correa, who's 21, Maggie Franco, who's 20, and Andrea Prime, Susie's older sister, 23. They were driving home from Jackson Hole Bible College on Interstate 80 this past Sunday. And then the, the phrase you just don't want to ever hear when you're riding on a road, when you hear that there was, a, in this case, a Dodge Ram pickup was heading east in the westbound lanes. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Caltrans, California Department of Transportation, um, is making provisions right around, I believe it's where the five, Interstate 5 and Interstate 8 come together and Interstate 8 takes you into East County. And there are some places where you're making the transition on the transition road where they're going to put in better lighting, better signage, and they're actually going to paint things on the road to make sure people don't wind up going the wrong way. Because in all honesty, they do go the wrong way. I remember years ago, my gosh, it's probably 40 years ago, and I think I'm going to mess the road up. I think it was Interstate 40. I'm not sure. My brother and I were going to visit our best friend, Greg Prete, who listens to this show on a regular basis. Greg, how you doing? Uh, Greg took a semester off of school to just kind of find himself, and he went to go work at a ski resort in Vail. And he said, if you guys can get out here, I can get you free tickets. You can stay with me and my roommate at our place. Let's have a kind of a cheap vacation. And so my brother and I piled into his uh, Toyota pickup truck and we purposed to drive from Southern California to Colorado and drive straight through, which meant every time we did a drive straight through, my brother always got to sleep in the middle of the night. I got the overnight driving. But we were driving along and we had chains. So we'd never driven in snow before. It looked like there was some rain, but it wasn't too bad. I could still see the road. It looked black to me. That's what I was looking for. Is it getting white and icy? It wasn't. And it's about 3 o'clock in the morning, and we're still a good 12 hours away from our destination. And all of a sudden, something, you know, when you're tired and you kind of nod off and you fall asleep, the um, I saw something flash, and it looked like something was cutting across the road. And so I hit my brake really hard. It was a five-speed stick. And I hit my brake really hard, and all of a sudden the car, truck began to spin. I wasn't going super fast, but it, um, it it was still enough to spin me around. I did a complete 180. And that's when I realized two things. Now I was heading eastbound, or I was facing eastbound on a westbound lane, number one. Number two, well, I guess there are three things, actually. Number two, I had been driving on black ice the whole time. That rain that was coming my way was actually sleet, if not snow. And by God's grace, I was able to drive without chains on this road. Three, I was now facing the wrong way and a semi was coming right at me. If you are the slightest bit sleepy and something like that happens, you will wake up really quickly. And I did. My brother woke up. I made about a 17-point turn to get back on the road in the right direction, and we were able to make our destination in time. But I'm very grateful because when I read about these kids, and back at this is 1985, I was that age, so was my brother, of these five students, these five high school students, who were at, uh, up at visiting Jackson Hole Bible College in Wyoming. And as they were driving in an F-150, the Dodge Ram truck that was heading east and westbound lanes collided with a passenger car and a commercial truck, forced another truck to swerve to the side of the road, where that driver collided head-on with the student's Ford F-150. Uh, the truck and the student's vehicle were engulfed in flames. All five young adults were killed. 
and the others involved in the accident were uh, critically injured. Authorities said the driver of the Dodge had been arrested on suspicion of impairment, could face other charges as the investigation unfolds. Uh, Faith Bible Fellowship is the church that all five students attended in, uh, in Arkansas. They were mourning the deaths of their students. And by the way, they will be holding a combined funeral service uh, held on February the 4th. That's a week from Saturday at the Sylvan Hills High School Performing Arts Center, 10 a.m. It'll probably, that's 10 a.m. Central Time, and it will probably be on social media if you want to watch it. Um, following the crash, another 100 people gathered at Faith Bible Fellowship in Arkansas and had a candlelit uh, vigil. People are shocked, obviously. Uh, two of the young adults, uh, Susanna and Ava, worked at a place called the Humble Crumb Bakery, which is near the high school. Uh, Maggie had worked there also during her uh, the part of the Prime family. Uh, Rusty and Betsy Peters, or excuse me, Ruth and Betsy Peters, are the owners of the bakery, said they're devastated um, because the girls were just great. And yet Betsy said, I just couldn't believe that this is what's happening, and yet I know that God is being glorified through them, and that's what they wanted. You know, I, I'm always in awe of people who have the ability to see that, um, that perspective. When you look at their social media posts and pages and the number of people who are saying, look, our lives are forever changed. Uh, this bakery will continue to fill the void. Um, literally, the Humble Crumbs Bakery is closing for two weeks to let the community mourn the loss of these two sisters. And I think that's just beautiful. Um, one of the posts said, Ava and Susie loved Jesus and they knew Jesus as their redeeming savior. They wanted to serve him with their lives and were trusting in him for their salvation. They are now with him in glory. And while we suffered their loss, our hearts are also filled with hope. You know, um, this is the time when we want our logical brains, that part of our uh, thought process, wants to fill in the gaps, fill in the blanks, and come up with an explanation. You know, it's, it's like our vision. You know, in this imperfect world that we live in, you know that when you look at something, you don't really see the whole thing. There's a little piece missing, and your brain fills it in based on everything else that's around it. But this is the time when a lot of people will say, okay, this is what the kind of thing that strengthens my faith. This is the thing that shakes my faith. And if you've experienced any kind of loss in the past year, past two years, maybe the past five, I've talked with many people in counseling sessions without giving away their personal information, of course, that, that have been grieving the loss of a spouse or a loved one for maybe 10 years, maybe 15. I have a friend right now who's walking through the loss of her husband. Uh, they did not have any children together. It was just the two of them for how many years? And she has been posting rather regularly on social media the past several months just grieving the loss of her husband. And yet, we have this assurance from Paul in Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good for him who are called according to his purpose. And so we have to ask the question, how can this be? Or maybe more accurately, why does this have to happen? Robert J. Morgan has become a regular contributor to the bottom line. I mentioned before, his wife Katrina uh, suffered from multiple sclerosis. She passed away in uh, November of 2019. He wound up being a full-time homemaker and caregiver for his wife in the later years of, his, of her life. He's written a number of books on a number of topics, but it just so happened 
that what we had scheduled for today's program is kind of proving a point of Romans 8.28. The book by Robert J. Morgan is called God Works All Things Together for Your Good, Living in the Promise of Romans 8.28. So what does that mean? Well, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, Robert's going to join me. We'll get this conversation started. Today's Everyone Wednesday. And by the way, we have four copies of Robert's book to give away. So my hunch is everyone is going to win this book. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, I just finished a meeting in Africa with a group of guys. And I said to them, here's the deal. They want to know how things are going in the United States. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. Things are crummy. But I said, what you do every day is you get up every day, gentlemen, and you realize that none of this matters. God is in control. And if you believe that, then it, it's all downhill. And, and I said to them, I said, so as we struggle here with the things that we're planning to do here in Africa, it's exciting to see all the things that you guys want to do and the plans you're making. Just know that God is in charge. And so, and the bad things that are happening in the United States God is going to work all of them to good, Romans 8, 28. That's the only solution is just go back every day to Jesus and ask him for guidance on what you're supposed to be doing. Amen and amen. Dennis Wilson, Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to capebrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. It's one of the most commonly quoted verses in all scripture, and yet what does it actually mean for God to work all things together for our good? Today here on The Bottom Line, uh, Roger Marsh here, joined by a recurring guest here on the program, Robert J. Morgan, uh, who has uh, been... Sp- this is a guy who has such a fascinating testimony as caregiver, as a pastor, as a, uh, you know, just a, a really a, a remarkable spiritual renaissance guy. I want to talk to Robert J. Morgan about... God works all things together for good. Uh, living the promise of Romans eight twenty eight. We've got a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Robert Morgan, welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. Thank you, Roger. So happy to be with you. When this book first came out, you called it the promise, and now you've kind of updated it and revised it to focus on God working all things together for our good. What's the most misunderstood part of that verse, other than the 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 the, the usual? Well, something really bad happened, but something good's right around the corner because God says He's going to do it. I think people don't really understand that this verse is true, that it actually works, that for those who are in God's will, who are his children, who know Christ as Savior, uh, that this is something they can count on 24 hours a day. You know, just consider that if at the moment that you knelt down somewhere and asked Christ to be your Savior, imagine that a little certificate fluttered down from heaven, (laughs) and it was a voucher good for one time only that some negative thing in your life could be turned around. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what it was, anything, but, 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 but something negative in your life, when you needed it really to be turned around for good, it would be. Well, that voucher would be so valuable to you. You'd, you, you would hesitate to, to actually use it because you think something worse may happen later. Mm -hmm. Well, Romans 828 is that voucher. It has no expiration date. It's good for, as many uses as we need for it to be. It is a very probing, deep verse that involves the Trinity working together providentially. It isn't just a very uh, superficial motto. It is a very deep part of the redemptive work that Christ did, which covers all of our lives and all of its contingencies. 
And if we really understood the power and the truth and the consistency of that promise, it would make a difference uh, in the way that we got up every morning. It certainly would. Robert J. Morgan, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called God Works All Things Together for Your Good. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And Robert, I I have to confess, I mean, since we're we're here on, you know, live radio and uh, <laughs> podcasting all over the place, including some video too. I did what I th I'm hoping a lot of other Christians do, not because it's the right thing to do, but I just don't want to be the only one who does it. When I look at this verse, I'm thinking, well, this ought to be a pretty short book because it's only one verse. And the fact that once I started digging into this and realizing, oh, wait a minute, man, you really dig into this verse, as opposed to just saying, okay, I understand this conceptually. What was the biggest shock for you, or the biggest surprise as you started digging through and saying, okay, chapter one, our basis for optimism, chapter two, we know, chapter three, all things. I mean, you really are taking this apart. It's like you took the whole car apart, and now you're helping us rebuild it piece by piece. Yeah, well, it's important to realize that Romans 8, 28 is not just some verse floating around in the air like a piece of confetti that we can grab. Mm -hmm. It is woven into the entire fabric of the book of Romans. And the book of Romans is the most theologically significant book in the Bible because it is the explanation of what the gospel is, that we are justified by grace through faith. And the whole gift that God gives to us is woven up in that. And so Paul talks about that in chapters 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and 7. And then he gets to chapter 8 and he comes to a climactic point and he gives us Romans 8.28. And then it's like he, he just collapses back and he says, what else can I say? What more can we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Right. He who did not spare his own son, how will he not freely also along with him give us all things? What can separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation? And, and we have this great doxology. So this is a verse that you've got to study within the context of the great contents of the book of Romans and realize that it is the capstone or the climax that Paul puts to his entire argument of justification by grace through faith. It's amazing, too, how the things that we kind of read into Scripture, as opposed to things that uh, we we miss, I mean, I guess that's those are two of the big uh, danger spots for us in the body of Christ. But when you talk about the, the calling, I mean, so much of this God works all things together for your good concept that we see in Romans 8, 28, it's so much more about God than it is about us. That oftentimes it's I could I could see where people would try to make it. I mean, we're selfish, right? I was reading a story about a woman whose child had a medical condition, and they were debating, you know, what to do in terms of whatever. And everything kept coming back to how the woman felt, not so much about what was best for the child. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought, well, I mean, we've all been there as parents. But talk about spiritually the, the, this concept. I mean, you mentioned this is kind of the capstone of the Book of Romans. But help us to understand the the places where we can take comfort in this, knowing not only that God works all things together for good, but God foreknew, God called according to his purpose, God, 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 God is the main driver here, not us. Well, the remarkable thing about this verse 28 is it's preceded by verse 27. And verses 26 and 27 in Romans is about the ongoing ministry of the Holy Spirit. In mm -hmm. fact, Romans chapter 8 is very heavy in terms of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. And so Paul says, here's something else the Holy Spirit does 
He prays for us so deeply that he is praying with groans that cannot be uttered. Mm. And God the Father hears the prayers of God the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, all things work together for good. So you have the entire Trinity here. It takes, it is not an easy thing, Roger, to reverse the things in life that right. are that are difficult. It takes the entire Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because the book of Romans is about the sacrifice that Jesus made. The uh, chapter eight talks about how the Holy Spirit brings that to life for us and prays for us on that basis. And then we have God the Father and his providential orchestration of the contingencies of life, answering the prayers of the Holy Spirit on the basis of the sacrifice of Christ in a way that redeems the situations of our lives. And as it's said in the book of uh, Nehemiah, he turns the curses into blessings. Mm. And so when we realize that, then it just really, uh, it's an attitude adjustment. Yeah. We. Um, we all are shocked by uh, things in life that happen that are, are so hard, so negative, so traumatic. Um, and it's not just the quoting of a simple platitude, but we have to use the truth that, of, of the book of Romans in general and Romans 8.28 in, uh, in particular to help us process all of that and come through them with a different attitude than we had when we began. It's amazing talking to Robert J. Morgan today here on The Bottom Line about his new book called God Works All Things Together for Your Good, which is basically a an in-depth study of Romans 8.28, and I think would be very worthy as a Bible study or small group conversation if that's the way you're led. And Rob, I wanted to ask you before the break here, do you have that kind of curriculum available and where do we find it? Yes, well, it's available at um, uh, at my website, robertjmorgan.com or wherever people get books. And we also have a um, study guide to go along with it. Mm -hmm. So my website is robertjmorgan.com. Good. Okay. We'll put that link up there. We'll take a quick break. And there's another aspect to this study of Romans 8.28 that I want to get into with Robert J. Morgan. Uh, the concept, of course, that God works all things together for good, uh, for those who love God are called according to his purpose. Um, and, and then the <laughs> Paul always throws at the, now what do we say to these things? But on the other side of this break, I want to, I'd like to wander down the road a little bit with Robert J. Morgan about uh, how this is not unique to Romans 8.28. And there are other places where you see this kind of show up. It might be hiding in plain sight. And you might not have even realized you were studying that as you were reading God's word. More of my conversation with Robert J. Morgan in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Robert J. Morgan is my guest. We're talking about his book, God Works All Things Together for Your Good, Living in the Promise of Romans 8.28. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. It is Everyone Wednesday here on The Bottom Line, and that means we have four copies of the book to give away, so everyone's going to win something, but you have an excellent chance to win a copy of this book from us here at The Bottom Line Show. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Robert J. Morgan's book, God Works All Things Together for Your Good, is living in the promise of Romans 8.28. And in light of the story of the five high school and well, recent high school grads or current high school students who are from Arkansas, from Faith Bible Fellowship, they were attending Jackson Hole Bible College in Wyoming, an event up there, maybe doing a little college visit. They were driving back down Interstate 80, 
when a car got in the was heading eastbound in the westbound lanes and it crashed a Dodge Ram truck crashed into another car, crashed into another car that drove a truck into the F one fifty where all five students were, and they're now home with the Lord. You know, it's interesting how we think about how God does work all things together for good, but may I also reiterate too that as a driver in Southern California or Northern California for that matter, Stephanie Cover is a resource that you need. Can you imagine what it must be like for the family? I mean, God forbid this ever happened to any family that's impacted here by the bottom line show. But if it does, there are legal ramifications, of course. There's a wrongful death. There's a you know, collision. There's all, all sorts of loss that has to be calculated and can be calculated. And personal injury law at its best is a calculation of how do we restore things that have been taken away. Uh, Stephanie Cover is the only personal injury attorney I've ever recommended, and I, if you don't have her name and number in your contacts, for such a time as what we just described, there but for the grace of God. She de- deals with wrongful injury and wrongful death cases all the time in a biblical fashion. And I encourage you to make sure you have Stephanie with an F and Cover as in cover in your contacts, in your mobile device, in your phone. Her number is 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. If it's easier, go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law, and you can fill out a form right there to get the ball rolling. Not that you have a claim right now, but that you're registered. Stephanie's got your information so that if you do ever need her, it's a lot easier to process this because you're in shock. You're dealing with sudden loss and sudden illness, injury, whatever it is. And if you need legal advice, Trust me, in the People's Republic of California, you'll definitely need it. Same with Colorado and Wyoming as well. So 877-214-4935, the number for Stephanie Cover, the only personal injury attorney I will ever recommend here on the Bottom Line Show. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, more encouragement from Robert J. Morgan. His new book, God Works All Things Together for Your Good, is our giveaway today on Everyone Wednesday, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Robert J. Morgan is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, uh, author of numerous best-selling books and did a, a significant amount of work with Dr. David Jeremiah's ministry for many years for those who love the Turning Point program on here of all of our Bottom Line show affiliates. The book we're talking about today, and do, do you ever look at the Amazon ratings, Robert? Do you, I mean, are, are you driven I, that way? No? Not often. No. Occasionally okay, well, I'll do, yeah. Well, well, the book we're talking about today, God Works All Things Together for Your Good, has nothing but five-star ratings. And it's not often, you know, there's always some, you know, sourpuss who gets in there and says, wow, I didn't really <laughs> like your book. But I mean, when you see nothing oh. but five stars, you know you struck a nerve. God Works All Things Together for Good. It's a look at Romans 8.28. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And I should point out, I got all excited about exegesis and, you know, word studies and things like that. I should put out, if you've read any of Robert J. Morgan's books, you know he's a great storyteller. It's, there's some anecdotal you know, uh, descriptions in here of this. And I mentioned before the break, you've got a whole section in the book that talks about the echoes of Romans 8.28 in other parts of Scripture. Give us an example or two of what you're talking about there. Yeah, so the truth in Romans 8.28 is a very well-stated uh, verse that uh, really reflects what so many other verses also say. For example, no one illustrates this verse better than the person of Joseph in the Old Testament, who was such a, a promising 17-year-old. My grandson is 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. and uh, But then he was uh, rejected by his brothers. He was stripped. He was thrown in a pit. He was sold into slavery. He was accused of sexual assault. He ended up in Egyptian prison. Uh, 
But all of it turned to such incredible good that he became the second most powerful man in the earth on those days. And years later, when his brothers showed up, uh, he could easily forgive them. He said, you intended it for evil, but God meant it for good. Amen. And that's Romans 8.28. Uh, speaking of my grandson, Elijah, we were just in Israel last week, and uh, I wanted to find a particular site in Jerusalem, and I got into all kinds of bad neighborhoods, and Elijah was nervous, and, and uh, we never did find the church I was looking for, and he was exhausted, and we were going around in circles. Um, and I thought, well, I sort of spoiled the morning for him. But then uh, he looked over and in the ditch, there was a, a, a 200 shekel bill. Mm. And uh, uh, we looked around everywhere. I mean, it was, uh, there was nowhere inside and this was just in a, a, a ditch. Uh, and he went over and I said, I don't know if I'd pick that up, Elijah. He said, I think I will. And he ended up uh, coming back from that walk, 200 shekels, which is about $60 for a 17-year-old in Israel. That's some good spending money. So um, so our, our walk on the uh, negative side had, had a, a positive uh, touch in the gutter. And that's the way that we very often find life. Mm -hmm. uh, we may not be in the best neighborhoods uh, mm -hmm. in life, but somewhere there is a blessing that God gives to us because we're on that journey. And that's what Joseph found. Uh, um, Job said it was for my benefit that he afflicted me. Right. Um, you know, Job is another great example who came out of everything so much richer than he went in. Um, so uh, so we can find verses like that all the way through the Bible. Yeah, it's interesting, as you mentioned, the Job example, especially Robert Morgan. I was thinking about uh, that, the, the things that happened to poor Job, if you're reading the one-year Bible chronologically, this is where you are in the thick of it right now, this time of year. And of course, he loses everything except his wife, which I've always thought was kind of a tongue-in-cheek you know, type of thing, because <laughs> if there was a contentious relationship, why just curse God and die? But the idea, oftentimes we forget the, the epilogue to the Job stories, just as you mentioned. Job endured this even after God basically said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? I mean, he, he basically said, "He, you know, it, these are the parameters, but if you test him, he can handle it, knowing that he could handle it. Of course, there's a lot of, you know, tongue wagging, you know, in between that, and it kind of reminds me of modern day American politics here, these guys going back and forth, you know, arguing over arguments as opposed to actually getting to solving problems. But the fact that Job emerges from that tough situation even more blessed in terms of his spiritual life. And then, of course, the possessions and things like that. It's far beyond he could have ever asked or imagined. Yeah, he, he came out double with everything. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, he resolved his uh, problem with his wife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We know that because he had seven more yes, children. Yes, there's more children, right. Yeah. And why is it that he, everything else came back to him doubled except for his children? Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't have four, you know, he had seven children who were killed. Mm-hmm. And then he had seven more at the end of it all, to, you know, sort of not as replacements, but to, right. uh, to fill up his life. But but uh, but I think that all of Job's children, even though they died, went to heaven. He prayed for them earnestly. He mm -hmm. he was a priest in his family who was a very godly father. And so in heaven, he ended up with 14 children, just mm -hmm. like he had been doubled of everything else yes. on earth. I mean, yes. God does incredible things to uh, to to redeem our suffering and our situations in life. 
I it love takes that. God the Father, it takes God the Son, it takes God the Holy Spirit, it takes the power of the resurrection, it yes. takes redemption, but the Lord knows how to turn blessings uh, out of curses. I love that. Robert J. Morgan, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called God Works All Things Together for Your Good. It's a look at Romans 8.28 through, I think, a fresh perspective for a lot of our listeners. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Robert, you know you've experienced tragedy and hardship. We've we've talked about that in uh, in previous programs here on The Bottom Line Show. And there's someone listening to us right now saying, okay, well, I'm still waiting. You know, I'm waiting for God to show up. And I want that working things together for good part. And my life is tough. You know, we've got whatever it is with a family challenge, a health challenge, financially, I'm still waiting. Uh, what do you? What word of encouragement, having walked that challenging road yourself, what word of encouragement do you have that says, hey, Romans 28 is for your situation too? Well, it is. There is something that is not in Romans 8, 28. It doesn't say God will work all things together for your good right now. It's just, it's a mm. promise that, that, is going to unfold gradually over time. And that's where faith comes in. Uh, we take that promise, we hang on to it, that the promises of God, this promise and all of the others, are ropes that we hold to, that lift us up. And I often uh, describe it as uh, water skiing. You know, you're thrashing mm. around in the water, <laughs> but the real power is in front of you. Yeah. And you're tossed a rope from that power and you just grip it and it lifts you right up and, and you're able to literally walk on water like Peter did. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the promises of God are like those ropes and we grip them and um, and it takes time. We have to faith is is trusting that in God's timing, every promise will be fulfilled. Right. And, you know, my wife had multiple multiple sclerosis for 25 years mm. um, and uh, uh, and and things sometimes aren't going to be resolved quickly. Uh, mm. But the fact that we know they will be resolved because of God's promise is what keeps our spirits up. Yes, that is yes. the biblical word for that is hope. You know, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, says mm -hmm. Romans 15, 13. Right. And that word hope in the original text literally means the expectation of what is certain. Yeah. So I think yeah. sometimes we use wishing and hoping as kind of, you know, interchangeable synonyms, Ooh. but uh, that there's big data. I've got to write that down. The expectation yeah. of what is certain. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Because I mean, I'll tell you when I play football and I'm not at my age and not in my physical condition, every time I throw a pass, I wish someone would catch it. Right. I mean, I know mm -hmm. that there's there's no way that maybe it's going to get close. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a spiral. Maybe it looks like an end over end old fashioned place kick. But when it comes to placing our hope in Christ, I mean, the expectation of what is certain that it really it takes a lot of the anxiety out of it. And I think yeah. for people who are waiting, I, I, I'm totally adding and quoting you, Robert Morgan, on that idea. All things work together for good, but it doesn't say all things work together for good right now or the way I planned them, or whatever. I mean, I, mm -hmm. if God's going to do it exceedingly abundantly, far beyond whatever I could ask or imagine, then I have to be willing, like you said, to grab the rope, put on the skis, and let the boat take off and yeah. say, here and, we go. That's and, a great and, analogy. You know, don't fight against the boat. Just yeah. relax right. and and let the boat do, let the boat, boat do the, let the power do the work. It says in Ephesians 5 that we are to live 
and the same power as that which God exerted when he raised yes. Christ from the dead. Yes. So yes. it's the resurrection power that that lifts us up. And I, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, I struggle with keeping my spirits up. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking, what spiritual disciplines do we need to keep our spirits high mm -hmm. and to keep them from drooping? And, you know, this is this is at the core of it. We find God's promises. We trust them. We preach them to ourselves. We hang on to them and we let his power lift us up. I love that. I love that. Great words of uh, exhortation and a fitting footnote to our conversation today here on The Bottom Line Show. Robert J. Morgan, the new book is called God Works All Things Together for Your Good. It's a look at Romans 8.28 from a fresh perspective, and we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Robert, great to get to see you again and uh, be with you here on the program. Thanks for joining us today for a special edition always of The Bottom Line pleasure. Show. Always a pleasure. Yes, always a pleasure. Thank you, Roger. Life insurance will never replace the person you love, but that money can help you get through life when it feels important possible. When your life insurance claim is denied while you're already dealing with so much, you need someone on your side. Stephanie Cover of Cover Law used to work for the insurance companies. She challenges and understands the way insurance companies think. Hire Stephanie to file a life insurance appeal while everything is still fresh in your mind. Don't let the insurance company get away with greedy behavior while you're in mourning. Stephanie Cover will do everything in her power to get you the financial protection which was promised to you as a beneficiary of the policy. The money from the life insurance proceeds can supplement your income so you can support yourself throughout the process of bereavement. Save Stephanie's number or call her now at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or you can fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Stephanie Cover. She knows the other side. Okay, and that book is available at thebottomlineshow.com. And we have, I mentioned, four copies of this book to give away. It's Everyone Wednesday, so let's make those phones ring. Crystal standing by, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, Robert J. Morgan's book is called God Works All Things Together for Your Good this is uh, living in the promise of Romans 8.28. And if you're going through a tough spot, especially right now, this is what all things working together for good looks like in your life, in my life, in the world that we're living in right now. Four copies to give away on Everyone Wednesday. Everybody who calls is going to win something. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Yeah. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We are in the danger zone living in the world that we're in right now. By the way, Kenny Loggins is like 75, and I think he's doing uh, he's doing a farewell tour, and he's literally calling it, this is it. Anyway, 800-227-5278, um, the number to get you through to the bottom line. We're giving away copies of Robert J. Morgan's book called God Works All Things Together for Your Good, Living in the Promise of Romans 8.28. We have four copies of that book to give away alone. So you have an excellent chance of uh, winning, but you got to call Crystal and Todd's answering the phones too, because Wednesday's fun because you get cool bumper music and Todd on the phone. If you are looking for a, a, a truncated to the point phone conversation, Todd's your guy. If you want to have a nice chit chat, Teresa, Crystal, uh, Tamara, always great for the chit chat. Todd and Joel, all about the business. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Would you like some good news? Who wouldn't like good news? 
Um, our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom have announced earlier today that there has been a settlement agreement that ended a federal lawsuit involving a third grader. Now, yes, this is this is the world that we're living in. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I just have to shake my head because of some of the sheer lunacy that takes place in the culture that we're in right now. And on a very serious note, if you have kids in your home who, I mean, you're a parent and you're raising these kids and they're like in elementary school or middle school or high school, or if you have grandchildren that you are responsible for, you know, you're, you're doing after school pickup or you're taking them to school or they're in your home until mom and dad get home from work. These are the kinds of issues that kids have to deal with today. Now, remember what they used to say, that old study in the 1950s, the biggest problem teachers had in uh, schools were talking in class and cutting in line and wanting to chew gum and, you know, that, that type of stuff. And now the issues are way bigger in terms of, uh, premarital sexual expression and kids wanting to transition from one gender to another. Simpson County School District in Jackson, Mississippi had a policy in place a couple of years ago. Now you'll remember that we are in endemic mode now as far as COVID-19 goes, which just means it's everywhere. It's going to happen. It's going to show up like the flu or pneumonia or wherever it is. It is still potentially dangerous for people who are elderly, who are immunocompromised, people who have issues with weight or hypertension or diabetes, things like that. Okay, we know that. We knew that three years ago. Can you believe it? I mean, we're coming up on, what someone posted the other day, we're coming up on three years, uh, the third anniversary of two weeks to stop the spread. And that's not to make light of the measures that were taken to stop the spread of COVID-19, but they were, I mean, draconian is a good way to describe it. They were extreme, extreme. I was reading through some stuff from the Manhattan Institute earlier today. There was a big discussion on uh, uh, Twitter, which is actually a good place to find discussion back and forth on both sides of the aisle these days. And it was about who is responsible for all the debt we have, you know, the debt ceiling in the government, blah, 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 blah. And of course, people on the left want to blame Donald Trump and people on the right want to blame Joe Biden or Barack Obama. And, you know, there's so many different ways to count the money there. But... One, uh, you know, maybe we'll do an analysis, balance, and clarity on that. Uh, you know, let's do that. Well, maybe the next half hour. Um, who's responsible for the debt and this, that, and the other thing? But remember, in the early days, that first COVID relief package, the CARES Act, I think it was, $2.7 trillion. Basically, let's shut the whole entire economy down, basically, and then hand out money and loans and things of that nature to try to keep it propped up. Part of what was going on in 2020, you'll recall, was schools were closed and schools were open and everybody had the personal protection equipment, the face masks and the, you know, DEFCOM 5 gloves and, you know, whatever they, and then the individual protections around the school desks and, and that type of thing. Uh, I know at our church's school, Lisa Vio Christian School, they actually worked the lunch schedule around so that all the different individual grades took lunch. You know, it was 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there and whatever it was. I mean, they, they really tried hard to make sure that kids were not at risk. But at the same time, they were, I mean, for, I don't know how else to say this, so I'll just say it. I mean, from the research that I have been able to conduct over this, a lot of times the measures that were taken to try to quote unquote protect children were really draconian in the sense that kids were a lot more resilient. Kids who were perfectly healthy kids who were kind of virus factories anyway. If you, And I say that in all love and respect, my mom taught first grade for 30 years. I know what a stuffy nose classroom smells like, right? I've been there before. Get Raise your hand if you're a teacher and you can relate, primary grades especially. 
you know, when half your class has the flu or a cold or something like that, and the whole room just smells like sweat and snot. I mean, it's just that, that's that's what it's that's part. It's a rite of childhood, and teachers have these major, massively built up immuno <laughs> systems to fight all that stuff off. Give me one cold for the year, and I'm fine, right? When schools started going back to school, though, a lot of the measures that they were they were trying so hard to protect kids, it was masks and PPE and, you know, we should all have the booster, not realizing that of the 77 million children in the United States, the death toll, well, the infection rate was pretty high. I mean, like 10 million kids tested positive for COVID, but the death toll was less than a thousand. And when you consider that a lot of kids tested positive for COVID, it was not a death sentence for them. There were some kids, obviously, who had been immunocompromised. Maybe someone was battling cancer or something like that. COVID could have been deadly for them, no question. But then there was the issue of you got to keep the distance. And then there was the mask. Remember the face masks, right? I mean, either you wore the big old plastic, it looked like a welder's type of mask to keep you know the droplets from dropping or <laughs> whatever you call it. You know, you still go to supermarkets and place like, places like that where they have that stuff. And I'm like, okay, so you're breathing on my groceries and you're handling my groceries and this, that, and the other thing. But as long as I've got that plastic thing that knocks the virus away from you and you from me, I guess we're good. You know, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask, right? If you feel like you've got the symptoms, like right now, Tamara, my producer, has COVID. The whole family has COVID. And uh, she works from home, which is good that she works from home and she's still trying to work, even though we keep telling her lay low. Um, it happens, right? It, it's going to happen. But Simpson County School District in Jackson, Mississippi, put a policy in place with regard to masks. Yes, kids had to wear masks to stop the spread of COVID, even though we now look back and realize eh, it didn't really stop as much spread as perhaps we thought. But that, that That's not the issue here. The issue involves a student by the name of Lydia Booth, who was in the third grade in the fall of 2020, who chose to wear a mask that reflected her faith in Christ. The mask is a black mask, and it looks like, and I've got a picture here we'll put up at the thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, it looks like it's, I don't know, pink or chartreuse, something like that. It's very stylish. And the mask has the inscription, Jesus loves me, right on the front. Well, guess what? Or I guess I should say, welp, guess what? You know, kids were wearing masks and they had, you know, stay strong, remember the heroes, whatever the different, I'm, I'm sure there were some kids who were wearing like Spider-Man and Transformers and stuff like that. Lydia Booth wanted to wear a mask that said, Jesus loves me. She went to school, had the mask on. Uh, she attended school in the community of Panola. And when she went on campus, uh, the, you know, the principal came up to her one day and asked her to remove the mask and replace it. Now, she had worn the mask apparently several days prior to all that happening with no problems whatsoever. But on this particular day, the pr principal of the school in Panola said, nope, 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 you, you can't wear that mask. Two days later, administrators then announced a district-wide policy. And the district-wide policy prohibited, quote, statements or messages that are political, religious, sexual, or inappropriate symbols, gestures, or statements that may be offensive, disruptive, or deemed distractive in the school environment. 
what? <laughs> I mean, I get it. If the kid comes to school wearing a mask that says, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, it's got an inappropriate picture or maybe it has profanity on it or something like that. I understand. If it's political, I mean, I can even understand that too. In 2020, we had a presidential election. Some parent buys a bunch of, you know, Biden for president uh, things or Trump for president and their kids are wearing them to school. I can understand not having that. Gestures, statements that might be offensive or disruptive or deemed a distraction. But Lydia Booth was asked to take her mask off because the principal didn't like the fact that the message that it had was Jesus loves me. So our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom filed a lawsuit back in November of 2020, and they were asking the district to change their policy back to what it was. As far as political and uh, religious expression. Well, I have good news to report for Lydia Booth, who is now a fifth grader in the same school district, and a good win for our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom. We're going to talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, dropping and adding beats with Rush songs, as we do when Todd's running the board. You still have a few moments left, by the way, to call in. It's Everyone Wednesday here on the program. Robert J. Morgan's book is up for grabs. We have four copies of his book, God Works All Things Together for Your Good, Living in the Promise of Romans 828. If life isn't making sense right now and you're wondering how is God going to work all things together for good for me, I'm called according to his, his purpose. Uh, this is a great reminder and a good explanation of how God does what he does in that area. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, we typically have a cutoff for the actual prize um, at the top of the hour, but Crystal's got a lot of people on the line right now. So... Um, keep calling even after the top of the hour, especially for our KCBC audience that uh, leaves the terrestrial broadcast and goes over to Discovering the Jewish Jesus with Rabbi Schneider. Come to think of it, last time Rabbi Schneider was on, we had the same problem. So anyway, uh, the, God working all things together for good. How about Lydia Booth, a third grader, nine years of age in Jackson, Mississippi, and she um, wanted to wear a face mask during the mask were mandatory phase at her school uh, that said Jesus loves me on it. And the school district literally not only asked her to take the mask off, wear a different mask instead, but then they changed their administrative policy two days after her event. And that's when her parents contacted Alliance Defending Freedom. Alliance Defending Freedom filed a lawsuit in November of 2020 that was just this week resolved. The lawsuit has been dropped because the school district has changed their policy. Uh, basically... Here's the, 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 under the settlement, Simpson County School District will retract its previous restriction on masks that have, quote unquote, political or religious content and will allow Lydia to wear her Jesus loves me face mask to school if she chooses to do so. Uh, Tyler Langhofer is the director of the Alliance Defending Freedom Center on Academic Freedom and said, hey, look, today's students are tomorrow's legislators, judges, educators, and voters. It's so important that public schools demonstrate First Amendment values that they're supposed to be teaching students. And in this case, the school was allowing Black Lives Matter uh, messaging on uh, face masks and things of that nature. Kids could wear sports teams, and a lot of sports teams participate in political expression, like gay pride days and stuff like that. 
So the idea was, hey, if it's okay for them to wear it, and again, Alliance Defending Freedom was not saying no Black Lives Matter, no gay pride, whatever. What they were saying was, if you're going to allow that free speech, let Lydia Booth have her free speech that says, Jesus loves me. It's a statement of fact. No one has to believe it if they don't want to. Lydia believes it, and we believe it with her. So Lydia, good for you for stepping up there, and thank you for our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom for taking the step. Hey, on the other side of this break, we're going to do a little ABC when it comes to money and also talk about Alliance Defending Freedom a little bit further. So keep it right here as The Bottom Line continues in just a moment. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's Everyone Wednesday, and we're still taking calls for Robert J. Morgan's book, God Works All Things Together for Your Good, uh, Living in the Promise of Romans 8.28. We've got four of those books to give away, but everybody who calls in, because it's Everybody, Everyone Wednesday, uh, is going to win something. So 800-227-5278. We have lots of other books. We have DVDs. We've got, uh, I don't know, bookmarks. We've got all sorts of all sorts of gadgets and things that you would like. And they all come in a really nice uh, bottom line, uh, well, Cape Wright uh, designer bag uh, <laughs> with other accoutrements that go in there as well. So 800-227-5278. I give Crystal and Teresa and Todd a call and uh, get your name in on the drawing for those four books. And then um, the other prizes will be awarded to people who don't win. We have lots of people who call in looking for the free stuff. And we're congratulating Lydia Booth, a third grader at the time the lawsuit was filed. She's now in fifth grade in Jackson, Mississippi, the Simpson County School District. The school district had a policy, they claim, of kind of being neutral when it comes to uh, uh, political and religious messaging on things like hats and T-shirts and and especially the masks that were mandatory of students back in the fall of 2020. But when Lydia showed up wearing a mask that said, Jesus loves me on it, the school principal pulled her aside and said, you need to change masks. And then the school district did something that was probably ill-timed. And that is they, they changed their district policy and said, oh, and by the way, you can't wear anything that's controversial. Anything that's going to be a distraction. And don't you love the way the left does this? If the left wants to stage a walkout on Cinco de Mayo or putting an American flag up upside down somewhere or whatever they're doing, uh, kids are encouraged to go to a BLM protest or something. That's not considered a distraction in some public school districts. But a kid walks up and says, hey, here's a cross. Here's a picture of Jesus. Here's Jesus loves me on my T-shirt or even worse, Jesus loves you. I say worse in quotes. Um, and the crabby atheist and angry humanist just go nuts. You can't do that because I mean, that's a distraction. That's a disruption. Oh, wait, everybody leaving campus for a BLM rally isn't a distraction. I'm not saying the students shouldn't do that. I'm not saying they should. But come on, you got to have an even hand with this. And so Alliance Defending Freedom was brought in. They filed a lawsuit in November of 2020. And now the district has changed their policy. So LB versus Simpson County School District has officially been dismissed in the Southern District of Mississippi, U.S. District Court on behalf of the student and her parents, and congratulations to our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom. Please note, this involved a third grader, so don't think it can't happen to your kids or grandkids, which would then bring you in the mix. Secondly, please understand this took over two years for this to be resolved. The same school district that had no trouble with a kid wearing an Ole Miss t-shirt, heck, maybe even a Confederate flag, how about, uh, you read about the, uh, uh, the guy who plays for the Philadelphia Flyers, is it Yvonne Proferoff or whatever, a uh, young Christian guy who they were doing a Pride Day or Pride Month. Apparently, gay pride now is 
June is Pride Month and October is Pride History Month and January is Remember June Month. I don't know what, there's like three major months now that celebrate LGBTQ quote unquote Pride. And all the NHL teams had a thing where they were wearing jerseys during the warmup. They didn't play during the games with them, but they wore jerseys during the warmup that had these rainbow things and this, that, and the other thing. And this guy for the Flyers, uh, Provorov said, I'm not going to wear it. I'm a Christian. You know, you guys do you, but this is me. And his coach supported him, said, look, I mean, this is this is how he thinks. This is what he believes. This is what he feels is right to do. I support him. He's part of our team. And you know what the response was? The NHL didn't try to sanction him. And all of his merchandise online sold out within a day. <laughs> People are like, yeah, I like that guy. I'm going to wear his jersey. Sports franchises have a huge play a huge role in the messaging that goes on here. And Alliance Defending Freedom came after the Sutton County School District or Simpson County School District and said, hey, look, guys, I mean, you don't think that there's political messaging going on when a kid wears a jersey from their favorite sports team or a cap or bandana or something like that? I mean, why are you singling out one girl in the third grade for wearing a Jesus Loves Me mask to prevent against the spread of COVID? So where they tripped up is in the fact that not only was their policy you know, unbalanced, but then they enacted this new policy two days after telling this girl she couldn't wear a Jesus Loves Me mask. Two years and a couple of months later, it's all been resolved. But when you hear me talk about Alliance Defending Freedom and recommend that you support them, this is why. Your nine-year-old granddaughter or nine-year-old grandson or your nine-year-old son or daughter could be the next one who is fighting for their liberty to just say, look, I mean, this is a third grade girl who said, I want to wear my Jesus Loves Me mask to school. And she has every right to do so. Um, go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, by the way. There's a banner up there for Alliance Defending Freedom. And you can make a donation. And this is why your $500, your $1,000 tax-deductible donation, maybe $20 a month, make it a recurring gift, it goes to fight these cases. There's a good chance that people who were supporting Alliance Defending Freedom over the past couple of years, uh, the Booth family does not have to pay for the legal expertise. That is covered by Alliance Defending Freedom because people like us make donations. So it's CrawfordMediaGroup.net for Alliance Defending Freedom, or there is a toll-free number. It's 877-367-6461, 877-367-6461 for Alliance Defending Freedom. Hey, would you like to take a look at an analysis, balance, and clarity segment with me? Come on, it'll be fun. It really, it will be fun. Our friends at Blaze Media are responsible for this one. Yesterday, the Government Accountability Office did an audit of the Department of Defense. And for the fifth year in a row, the Defense Department could not account for a lot of stuff that's in their thing. Now, to be fair, lest we start thinking in terms of this being a Republican or Democrat issue, this is the fifth audit in a row. The 2022 audit falls under the purview of President Biden. 2021, President Biden. 2020, President Trump. 19, President Trump. 18, President Trump. So this is kind of an equal opportunity thing here. This is not about political parties. It's about government workers that can't really get it right. The Department of Defense, and no one's picking on them, by the way. The, I mean, there was a federal law passed in 1994 during the Clinton administration that said that the, the Defense Department has to complete an audit. However, you know, it's interesting. 
when you look at who was, they passed the law in 1994, look who was in charge. Newt Gingrich, Republicans, white men's, you know, revolt or whatever they called that thing in the 1994 midterms. And sure enough, they passed a law that said the Defense Department should be audited. And then a funny thing happened. Well, according to military.com, the mandate was ignored for many years, like nearly a quarter of a century. And the reason is it's too big. That's what, seriously, that was the response. Congress said, we'd like to authorize this audit. We've got the law that was passed, but we're not really going to dig into the Defense Department budget because, well, it's just too big. Well, not every audit has been a failure, but the last five have been. So what is exactly a failure and why do you think they started doing these audits in the first place? Well, let me give you a hint. Let's set the Wayback Machine to January of 2017, okay? Remember what happened in January 2017? Kind of a cataclysmic event here in the United States. Arguably the most controversial president in American history, at least in modern times, was inaugurated. And that would be President Donald Trump. So Congress, who never really had the time or the manpower or the money to do an audit of the Defense Department, all of a sudden got really interested in what was happening in the Defense Department. Now, here's a problem with that. For openers, when Donald Trump was inaugurated in January of 2017, like every other president before him, the president who is inaugurated in January inherits the budget from the president that took office from. So the Donald Trump Defense Department was actually the Barack Obama Defense Department. And lo and behold, when they did the audit, they were faced with the, well, do we flunk Trump because it'll make him look bad? Or do we, uh, you know, give kudos to President Obama? Well, they passed their first independent audit in 2017. But then the first year Donald Trump takes over and it's all on him, they failed. And then in 2019, they failed. In 2020, they failed. 2021, they failed. And that was kind of a Trump thing. So technically, the 2022 one, I guess, is actually the first Joe Biden budget. So what happened now and how is it that the government continues to fail these audits? How bad is it? Is it just a couple of bucks? Are they off by a couple of journal entries? Well, here's the criterion. If you can account for at least half of your expenditures and prove that they were necessary, then you pass the audit. Wouldn't you love to have that for your family budget? I paid half my bills this month. I guess my credit's going to be great. Wouldn't we love that? Well, let's do a little ABC on the other side of this break. We'll take a look at some of the, the numbers from this past audit and find out, A, how big the damage is, B, why does this problem keep happening, and C, will there be any recourse from it? We'll do that on the other side of this break because the bottom line continues in just a moment. You know, if you want to do some auditing regarding an organization, a nonprofit organization that is true to their word, I challenge you to look at the books of Preborn. When you make a donation to Preborn, when you go online to kbrightradio.com and hit the Preborn banner to provide ultrasound uh, appointments for women who are expecting and not quite sure what to expect once they are expecting, 100% of the dollars that you donate to Preborn goes exactly to what you're donating it for, and that is providing ultrasound images. It's the first time a mother and child get to meet. 
You get to see all, I mean, how far along the child has developed at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 weeks. You get to hear the heartbeat. It's such a beautiful sound and a beautiful sight. Dozens of K-Bright listeners and bottom line listeners have been supporting Preborn. Right now, the need is urgent for another ultrasound machine. A $28 donation saves the life of one baby. $280 saves 10. $2,800 saves uh, 100. But $15,000 provides an ultrasound machine that will provide 250 ultrasounds a year for at least 10 years. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-2229. Or go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com. Click on the preborn banner and save a baby's life right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It seems like the government is running from all sorts of accountability. And in this case, remember the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, um, finally completed an audit. For the fifth time in a row, the Defense Department failed theirs. The mandate to complete audits goes back to 1994, but for the first 23 years that that bill was in office or it was on the books, um, it was never enacted. No one went through with it. Bill Clinton didn't do any. George Bush didn't do any. Barack Obama didn't do any. They didn't mandate it. Basically, it was just kind of this black hole. Now, to put this in perspective, and again, we need a defense department. We need a military. We need to provide a way to secure our borders and to protect our citizens. I am wholeheartedly in favor of that. But the Pentagon has $3.5 trillion, with a T, dollars in assets. And if we're not careful, we might wind up losing a few hundred million dollars or maybe more than that. By the way, there are 26, 26, excuse me, 27 separate audits that are conducted by approximately 1,600 auditors. 220 in-person site visits, 750 virtual site visits, cost to us, the American taxpayers, $218 million. I think it could be politically expedient to say, well, we're trying to save the taxpayers' money, but no one's buying it. I mean, this is an agency that represents $3.5 trillion worth of assets and value. This past year, and this was November when the audit was conducted, and now the results are just being announced, the Pentagon could not prove expenditures. Remember I mentioned that a successful audit is if you can account for at least 50% of your assets. The Pentagon couldn't. They could only account for 39% of their assets. That means they could not prove expenditures for 61% of what they had and what they had to spend on. And oh, by the way, they could not account for at least $220 billion in government furnished property. Wow. Um, you know, it's interesting because they passed this measure in 1994. The first time the GAO reached out and said, uh, hey, Defense Department, you aren't really doing a good job of keeping track of your government-provided property. That was back in 2001. Uh, according to the GAO report, the DOD's lack of accountability over government property in the possession of contractors has been reported by auditors for decades. The longstanding issue affects the accounting and reporting of GFP and is one of the reasons DOD is unable to produce auditable financial statements. In 2014, the Pentagon reported that the estimated value of the GFP was at least $220 billion. Now the GAO says, well, that, 
the figure is likely significantly understated. I'm quoting them here. What else is interesting about this, too, is the Defense Department, quote, is the only major federal agency that has been unable to receive an audit opinion. And they can't get an audit opinion because they don't do a good enough job following up. So why is this? Let me submit to you. I mean, it's really easy. This is one the one thing that I really hope we don't wind up doing as believers. Let's not fall into the trap of saying, well, I know why this is happening because, uh, um, you know, well, Joe Biden's in office or Donald Trump was in office and it's all their fault. Well, um, no, not really. I realize that the presidents are the commanders in chief of the Defense Department, and they oversee all the military. So technically, if you're trying to blame one person, but 27 different audits, $220 million in cost to actually find out what the Defense Department has. Quite frankly, it's gotten so big. I know all the libertarians listening right now are saying, get rid of it. No, 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 no. That, that would not be good. You would not want other nations overrunning you. But as Christians, let's let's do a little due diligence here, shall we? Let's do a little due diligence with regard to how broke this system really is. And I'm not talking about broke in terms of financial assets that are missing. I'm talking about how much money gets spent in the government and it just kind of evaporates into this black hole. Take, for example, the recent Twitter war between those on the left and those on the right with regard to how we count for uh, government deficits. Let's start with a basic definition. Which is a greater detriment to the United States government, running a budget deficit or running up the national debt? You'd be amazed at the number of people who really think that those two are the same number, but they're not. Deficit is if you make a budget, say we've got $1,000 for groceries this month and we only spend $800, then you have a bit of a surplus in your grocery budget this year that will probably get eaten up by some other cost like increased medical costs or housing, taxes, whatever it is. A debt is, well, look at my credit card bill, look at my car payment, look at my house, whatever. That, that's, that's a longer term. Right now, the United States government routinely runs budget deficits that exceed what they were planning on. The government thought they were going to spend $3 trillion this year. They spent $3.5 trillion. You now have a $500 billion budget deficit that you're running. But at the same time, if you have enough revenue to offset it, then there's really no deficit at all. But the national debt, that's a whole different ballgame. And it's amazing to see how many people are now looking at the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic spending, the CARES Act, and all the other government programs that were designed to keep the economy afloat, whether it be stabilizing the mortgage lending rates at 2 to 3 to 4%, or giving people additional federal supplements to unemployment benefits because their businesses were shut down or run out of business because of COVID. All of those gimmies, if you will, are starting to expire. Great article in the Wall Street Journal this week about income tax preparation and how many people are in for a big surprise when they realize that the increased child income credit, which was $2,100 per kid, was up to $3,600 per child during the pandemic is back down to $2,100. Maybe it's $2,200. There's also a credit, in which tax credits are your friends. They come right off the, how much do you owe? Tax credit takes it down further. 
there was a care for dependent people in your world that used to be $2,000. During the pandemic, it was spiked up to $8,000. Guess what happens for this next year? Right back down again. See, a lot of it isn't so much about the money itself. It's the way it is reported. It's the way it is recorded. It's the way it is presented to us, the taxpayers. I'll give you a classic example of what I'm talking about on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues in just a moment. You know, I just finished a meeting in Africa with a group of guys. And I said to them, here's the deal. They want to know how things are going in the United States. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. Things are crummy. But I said, what you do every day is you get up every day, gentlemen, and you realize that none of this matters. God is in control. And if you believe that, then it, it's all downhill. And, and I said to them, I said, so as we struggle here with the things that we're planning to do here in Africa, it's exciting to see all the things that you guys want to do and the plans you're making. Just know that God is in charge. And so, and the bad things that are happening in the United States, God is going to work all of them to good, Romans 8, 28. That's the only solution is just go back every day to Jesus and ask him, for guidance and what you're supposed to be doing. Amen and amen. Dennis Wilson, Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to capebrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Analysis, balance, and clarity segment here. And the phone's still ringing. <laughs> So we're taking, I'm wrapping up the calls here on Everyone Wednesday. Boy, Robert J. Morgan's book about how God works everything together for your good sir, certainly struck a nerve with a lot of people. A lot of people are frustrated with the government, you know, whether it's Republicans running it, Democrats running it. Everyone seems to have gotten to the point where it's too easy just to blame the people on Capitol Hill. I think it's helpful for us maybe to understand a little bit more as to how we got to this place. How, why we're in this situation and what we can do about it instead of just pointing fingers and saying, you know, elephant or donkey or whatever, maybe our political symbol should be the lamb and we should do a little bit more analysis and balance and clarity when it comes to what we're talking about. I, I shared with you the article that'll be up at thebottomlineshow.com from Blaze Media about the fact that the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, has revealed that the Defense Department failed its fifth consecutive audit because they can't account for at least $220 billion in government furnished property. They do not have any documentation indicating that they know where about 60% of all of their assets are. And that's, that's our defense department, brothers and sisters. But this is why it gets a little wonky. Take the whole issue of the national debt. Right now, the federal debt is at $31 trillion had to pass a special bill potentially to raise the debt ceiling to keep borrowing more. And you might be saying, wait a minute, 20 years ago, the national debt was $5 trillion. And you're right. It keeps doubling. It keeps increasing. But whose fault is that? When George W. Bush took office in 2001, he inherited $5 trillion in national debt. Now, Bill Clinton got all sorts of pats on the back for quote unquote balancing the budget. And what one report said, they left him a $3 trillion surplus. Well, that's not exactly true because they closed a lot of defense operations and had some huge cutbacks. The Clinton second term especially did not run at a budget deficit, but the national debt didn't go anywhere. George W. Bush took office and then there was the war and bad George Bush, et cetera, et cetera. He wound up adding $5 trillion to the national debt during his two terms in office over eight years. 
part of the reason why it was five trillion is one trillion if that was Barack Obama's responsibility when he took office. Remember the uh, billion dollars or trillion dollars stimulus plan, shovel-ready jobs, and basically, I mean, we know now all it was designed to do was to prop up public employee pension funds. But at the time, it was well, you're going through a recession, and we're right here with you. We're cash for clunkers and all that stuff. And he would because President Bush set the budget in October of 2008. When President Obama was inaugurated in January 2009, he could pile all the debt he wanted onto it. It would still count as George W. Bush's debt. So $5 trillion from the beginning of Bush 43 to the end of Bush 43. Barack Obama takes office in 2009, and at the end of his eight years in office, another $9 trillion in debt goes in. So people will say, well, George W. Bush doubled the debt, but Barack Obama actually cut it. He reduced it. Well... When you pile a trillion dollars of extra spending onto the other guy's load one year and you come back in and don't have that, you could say, see, I cut the price. Next thing you know, you're running a jewelry store <laughs> where they take the diamond ring and say, this ring is $10,000, but this weekend is $2,500. And they paid 1000 for it and they still make money. Then Donald Trump takes office. He gets stuck with this recession type thing. The debt goes up around $8 trillion. Four of that was his spending. Four of that was COVID relief. And then here comes... Joe Biden, and now we're knocking on $32 trillion. The reality is from 2001 to 2023, we have added 26, almost $27 trillion in debt. And next thing you know, brothers and sisters, we may be doing this show in Chinese if we're not careful. It's not about blaming one president or one side or the other. We have to elect men and women who have consciences and we'll balance budgets and we'll do what they say in terms of we want to do what we can to actually take this debt problem seriously. Something tells me we've gone too far off the rails. But that's my opinion. What do you think? Drop me a line at thebottomlineshow.com. Hey, before we uh, leave for the day, I want to congratulate James from San Diego, Tina from Foothill Ranch, Vicki from Anaheim, and George from Irvine. They are the four winners of the outstanding book by my guest earlier in the program today, Robert J. Morgan, the book called God Works All Things Together for Your Good, Living in the Promise of Romans 8.28. There's a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And congratulations to everybody who called it. If you wanted to win something, you're going to win something because it's Everyone Wednesday. You know, here's the beauty of the world that we're living in right now. Is get more, getting more frustrating for you with you look at the economy and look at the culture and look at the climate and this, that, and the other thing, and it seems like things are getting worse? If you will take a look, Philippians 4, at the goodness that's happening in the world right now too. Remember, God began his restoration and reclamation project when Jesus Christ was born. He began redeeming all of mankind and everything that he created the new heaven and new earth will be here probably before any of us know it. But it's frustrating when you see all the funky stuff that's happening in the world right now, isn't it? Don't lose heart, brothers and sisters. Do not lose heart. Every time you kind of get that smell and go, what the heck is that? that just, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. It doesn't smell right. Take a look at it for what it is. You're going to see relationships change that are going to move in the direction that's opposite of what you thought. And you're going to say, Lord, what happened here? And then begin to realize, well, maybe you're not as equally yoked in your faith as you thought you were. You're going to see other areas where the economy is looking better and where the, the, the ecology is looking better. And you see, okay, God, I see what you're up to now. That's that new heaven and new earth thing. Stay the course. Keep your focus. And the one way 
to keep your eyes fixed on where they need to be is keep looking to Jesus and keep looking for his provision and his blessing and his favor. Keep your eyes on him. You can walk on water. You'll never get discouraged and you'll always have hope. That's good news. And that's the bottom line.